With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Hercules Gomez of ESPN. Quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our guest today is Hercules Gomez, who hosts the show Ahora o Nunca on ESPN Deportes. You can also find him on ESPN FC. Herc, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Grant. I was good. Lots to talk about. You're out in LA. I'm here in New York. Um, and the big story this week out in LA is kind of the big story last week, too. Chicharito Hernandez signed by the LA Galaxy and he's finally coming to MLS and I'm wondering sort of what your dominant thoughts are about this right now I feel it's maybe 18 months two years um overdue yeah this is a guy that's arguably one of the biggest names global athletes global stars for Mexicans Mexican Americans uh anywhere in the world one of the most recognizably you know uh, global names, period. And easily in the last decade, uh, the biggest Mexican player. So it, it just felt right. He wasn't getting minutes in West Ham. He wasn't getting minutes in Sevilla. I thought this may have happened before the 2018 World Cup. If it did happen, I mean, we would have been talking about astronomical figures for yeah. his salary. Uh, it finally happens now. He's 31 years old. Uh, I think it's the right moment for him. He's got nothing left to prove in Europe. I mean, he's he's done it all. He was at United. He was winning Premier League titles. He was playing in Champions League finals. He went to Real Madrid. He's rubbed elbows with some of the world's elite. Uh, it's time. It's, this is his market now. And with the absence, and I should say, departure of Zlatan, it just makes sense. You know, Carlos Vela needs that nemesis. And, and for me, it's, it's funny because it's almost a, uh, I don't know, full circle kind of moment, but it's, it's really funny how... Uh, I meet again with Chicharito. When I won the Golden Boot in Mexico, um, we tied it together. And that was Chicharito's breakout year. And mm-hmm. I always joke with people. 
I was like, yeah, you know, Chicharito and I tied the golden boots. And they're like, oh, dude, that's awesome. What happened? I was like, well, he got sold to Manchester United and I got sold to Pachuca. <laughs> awesome. I forgot so, that that was the guy you yeah. tied with. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was going to say, like, I mean, you're a forward. I, like, what is it about his game that has has stood out to you and how much of that remains for for our american audience uh, mls fans and u.s men's national team fans think chris wondolowski what makes chris wondolowski so dangerous you know that that sixth sense around the box that innate ability to find space to to draw yourself open to always be at the right place at the right time uh that almost poachers mentality that's been chicharito throughout his career except chicharito's had a knack for scoring these it's crazy, just ridiculous type of goals, um, you know, with the back of his head. His first goal, uh, in the Community Shield game, his first official goal. I know the All-Star game was it was his first goal with United, but the first actual official goal with, with Manchester United versus Chelsea in that Community Shield game where it's a simple tap-in, and he ends up muffling it against the ground and then off his face before it goes in. Just these crazy finishes, and he's always just there. Uh, but because... That's not necessarily an appreciated skill set by many fans around the world. He's seen as this lucky player. He's seen as this kind of overachiever. And uh, I mean, I could relate a lot to that. Uh, <laughs> but trust me, it's goal scoring is an art in itself. And it's one of the most difficult things in the game, if not the most difficult. And there's a reason he's in such high demand. But his career trajectory has been interesting because he's gone from humble beloved character to almost you know anti-hero to to what you're not supposed to do to why doesn't he care enough to what, what's going on with the national team to chicharito's not good enough he's a tronco which is a tree trunk in mexico <laughs> they, they they throw around these ridiculous words and, and and nouns and pronouns for this guy that i just don't understand they they built him up to be this this semi-god semi-god type of figure and now they just love crushing him so he's had this interesting career trajectory and when it comes to forwards and chicharito i mean he's as pure a goal scorer as you can get um, oftentimes it goes against him because uh he's not doing enough in the build-up or or not doing enough when you don't have those scoring opportunities to sometimes justify a position on the field and that's crazy it's funny because in my book i have a chapter on chicharito and and we talked about the term poacher and and how forwards it, it's a it's kind of damning with faint praise right i mean like among forwards including yourself that's that's accurate right yeah absolutely you know i i don't know if he takes offense to it i mean how can you take offense to being known for scoring goals right <laughs> but he takes offense to how people see him as a soccer player and especially in the mexican culture i mean Mexican football is a very technical football. The first thing you need, you learn is the skill set, receiving, trapping, you know, how to be a finesse type of player. And sometimes uh, these Mexican players get caught into being luxury players. And he, he he's he's one of these guys that really made a knack for, uh, for himself of, of scoring timely goals and not knowing how to score goals. But that put him in a different category where maybe he wasn't good enough as the rest of the players technically wise. I mean, he was left off the uh 2000 was it five the, the world cup that mexico uh the u17 world cup that mexico won with carlos Vela and yeah. giovanni uh, dos santos in peru where they beat brazil he's left off that roster mm -hmm. so this is a guy that's definitely shared his 
his fair share of adversity uh, throughout his career. He and, and still to this day, I mean, everywhere he's gone, and this is something I could relate to, everywhere he's gone, he's had to prove himself over and over and over again. He never gets the benefit of the doubt for being Chicharito Hernandez. It's like Chicharito Hernandez, and all of a sudden, well, he's going to have to prove himself super sub, and he's going to have to work his way in. And no matter what happens, the one constant is you give him minutes, he's going to give you goals. You know, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Do you think he has a future with the Mexican national team? You know, Grant, that to me it's not sporting when we talk about Chicharito's future with the Mexican national team. And there was a while back where these guys wanted to better their working conditions, which is totally fair. They realized the U.S. men's national team and other national teams around the world um, get a certain amount for playing you know, these games. And, and I'll tell you, I know this firsthand because I had these guys, I had players in the Mexican national team pick up their phone, pick up their cell phone and call me and mm-hmm. say, hey, what are your national team uh, bonuses like? And when I told them, I could hear their jaw drop. These mm-hmm. guys, no matter if they win, lose or draw, will make $2,000 for representing the Mexican national team in any level, whether it's a friendly or an official tournament, World Cup, whatever you want. When they heard that the U.S. men's national team can make up to seventeen plus seventeen thousand dollars plus for playing them in a friendly, uh, you knew <laughs> right then and there they were like, "All right, something's up, something's wrong. We need to better our working conditions." And he was one of those guys at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Now, mysteriously, since he was one of those guys at the forefront and he was trying to fight for these working conditions, the federation started kind of icing him out. Mm-hmm. And when I mean icing him out, it was all of a sudden, "Oh, guys like Chicharito don't want to come." He doesn't want to be part of the national team. Then they interview him. No, that's not true. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. He's just not getting called in. Uh, slowly but surely, he's not getting called in. Now, many will say, whoa, whoa, Raul Jimenez is scoring goals in bunches. You know, how can you call Chicharito in? Yeah, that's one player. Chicharito Hernandez is 30. I mean, he was 29 at this time. He's 30 when this is still going on. He's 31 now and it's still happening. He's still in a very good age, playing in a very high level. And Mexico doesn't have the luxury of denying these great players. Um, you know, access to the national team. So for for me, it has more to do with off the field issues, and that's one of them. Another one is these players have gotten themselves into trouble off the field with you know uh, them coming in the media and their off the field activities uh, in their own personal lives. That's affected kind of the way the federation and the coach sees them. And then you add these uh, working conditions that they're trying to kind of impose on the federation. That's that's the reason, and it's not sporting because I don't see any reason why Chicharito can't be part of a 23-man squad uh, for the Mexican national team. So are you saying that Tata Martino isn't calling in his best players? I'm saying Tata Martino right now doesn't have to call in his best players, and if that's the case, he has justifiable reason to say, you know, Chicharito, maybe you're off the field issues. Eh, maybe I don't want to deal with that. Or maybe the Federation doesn't care for it right now and they want to send a message. That's what I'm saying. Now, okay. Tata Martino is not a puppet. You know, he's not going to be controlled that easily. But if the Federation wants to send a message and there are no important tournaments at this time, because important tournaments, he's played, Mm -hmm. you know. But if there's nothing really going on right now, well, Tata Martino also has a luxury of seeing other players then. They're saying they're not valuing Nations League this summer very much. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know if if you can gauge that by the (sighs) U23 squad they selected uh, to play these games at home. You know, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They're the best uh, team in in CONCACAF at the moment, and they have the luxury of doing that. And, you know, 
listen, I'm sure they've had conversations with Sergio Conceição of Porto, and he's like, listen, I don't want Tecatito going to play Nations League. I don't want him doing this transatlantic flight 15 hours to go play against Bermuda. <laughs> with all due respect to Bermuda, I think if you ask Sergio Conceição, he'd rather save him for something else. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the word rating is a, necessarily too strong here, but MLS is signing players from Liga MX. Um, they're raiding Liga MX. I mean, you see Frank O'Hara, they just announced, is going to Dallas in the summer. Um, Lucas Delarayan to Columbus. Alan Polito to Kansas City. Is this starting to become a trend in your eyes? And if we're considering the domination of Liga MX over MLS and CONCACAF Champions League, is this a case of if you can't beat them, buy them? It definitely is. And uh, if you look at what was missing for, I would say, most MLS rosters, let's go back. I don't know. When I played in CONCACAF Champions League and I was playing against the Seattle Sounders and Toronto FC and and quarters and semis and whatnot, (laughs) you know, the good old days. Uh, (laughs) One thing I would notice, the glaring thing I would notice is player, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 was lacking for these MLS clubs. Sure. You can get yourself a uh, David Beckham. You can get yourself a, you know, a, a Keen. You can get yourself a, a, a Sebastian Jovinko. But what about those players that necessarily won't be DPs? You know, those players like a Lucas Elerayan, who was a luxury piece at Tigres, who was a majority of his career, you know, fighting for time at one of the best rosters in Latin America. But it's a very good player. Mm-hmm. What if you can make him, you know, a TAM player, a DP player? What if you can bolster your squad? Uh, that's going to increase your chances of competing with these teams when that, and I say it in, you know, with all due respect, that medium to high level player who's not going to be the guy you, your focal point is not going to be the guy you, you know, you, you trot out to your fans. Um, if this wasn't the case, like if you only had one DP, he wouldn't be that guy, but he's a very good piece in very, very good time of his life. And he's in his prime and he, he knows what it's about. Uh, and also, he's a known commodity. The most, the the most important commodity for MLS right now, I would say, is the is that Mexican star. That's always what they yeah. thought, that Mexican star. But now, all of a sudden, they're realizing, well, we can get some of the shine of the Mexican star, and he doesn't have to be Mexican. Mm-hmm. These guys know who Lucas Elerayan is. They know who Roger Martinez is. You know, they were trying to get him to to enter Miami. They know who he is because he plays in America, but he's not Mexican, but he's a Mexican club. They know who Darwin Quintero is. Mm-hmm. They know who, you know, Franco Jara is. They, they know all these players. So by osmosis, they're trying to get that Mexican shine. And listen, I think it's a great idea. You can't try to be the best league in the world if you're not the best league in your region. And so to, so to start, uh, maybe start bringing some of these players over that know that league, that know that region, or not should say know this region, and uh, are hungry to prove themselves. And I'm very curious to see, because League MX gets good ratings in the United States, it, how much the needle will move for MLS games. Obviously, with Chicharito, you think it would a little bit for ratings and attendance. Um, but, you know, just this season, and, and if we will see something really change uh in in terms of ratings because mls has had kind of you know poor to mediocre tv ratings for a very long time right um i guess my immediate answer would be um maybe not much in Mm -hmm. the states but uh does it matter where you're big as long as you're big like if you're big in china but nobody recognizes you in the states 
do you really care? You're still cashing in China. And I think that's where Major League Soccer can can really take advantage. And I'll give you an example. You know, uh, you know this very well, Grant. Um, MLS does preseason meetings with Fox, with ESPN, with Univision, mm-hmm. and they come down to the studios. And I've done it in Bristol, and I've done it in Los Angeles. And they pretty much beg you for more coverage. They want you to be on first take. They they want their players on on high noon, first take, Sports Center, all these things. Uh, most of these shows, they're not going to put them on because maybe there's one player where they think the audience will find relevant. That'd be a Slata type player, you know? Mm. But for example, Deportes, we will gladly take your stars because our audience wants that content. And and proof of that is in the first year where uh, I think last year, last preseason meeting, we trotted out in Deportes a, a stat that our ratings had gone up in Latin America in Mexico and Deportes in the U.S. So in the U.S. in Spanish, 78 percent. Um, so what does wow. ESPN do when they realize that, hey, people are watching these games all over? Let's put them in Latin America as well. And let's instead of doing one game a week, let's do four or more games a week. And they are eating it up. Hmm. It is extremely popular. Uh, Richard Mendez last year and I, when we were doing games, calling games together for Deportes, I would go to the Bank of California, LAFC's home, or I would go to Dignity Health Sports Park, you know, the Galaxy home, and I would call a game there every week. So it'd be Saturday or Sunday that they would play. Mm-hmm. I would alternate. I would call one game there. And my play-by-play, Richard Mendez, was in Bristol. And mm-hmm. we would do these games, and we would get messages from Bolivia, Chile, you know, Argentina, Peru, uh, all over Central huh. America, fans in Mexico. The game is big. I mean, every time I would do an LAFC game, I would get flooded with messages from El Salvador. Why isn't Fito Celaya playing? What's going on with Fito? You know, well, what's what's going on here? And this guy is a guy that played two games for Bob Bradley. I mean, this is becoming something massive for Major League Soccer outside the U.S. And they realize that. Now, inside the U.S., tons to do. We have tons to do. And with the increased coverage Fox had, you know, Big Fox you know, they would put the games on Big Fox every once in a while. Now we've got a bunch of games on ABC. Uh, with this increased coverage, it's only going to get bigger. So you're busy hosting your show. How often are you going to be able to do MLS stuff this season? All the time. This is this is, uh, and if anything, my worlds keep colliding. I I joked yesterday. Um, I was talking to an ESPN exec. You know, he came down and was joking with my co-host and I about, hey. You know, uh, Chicharito is going to be at the presser on Thursday and then on Friday they may give us time with them. We're going to do a whole day, bring out a set at Dignity Sports Health Park, and you guys are going to be on Football Picante. You guys are going to be on Sports Center. Uh, we may even do our whole show out of that set and make a whole day out of it. And he's like, and get used to it because as these two worlds, you know, keep colliding, you guys are going to be a hot commodity. And I joked about being. I felt like the prettiest girl at the ball because all of a sudden here I am, you know, MLS experience, Liga MX experience, bilingual. And I'm like, my two worlds are colliding and all of a sudden everybody wants a piece of it. So this is, you know, this is great for me. So I'm going to be doing a lot of MLS grant. Uh, nice. I do Aura Nunca Monday through Friday night. Uh, it'll be a, it's on air um, 11 p.m. Pacific time. It's a nightly sports show that does uh, pop culture. We do you know, movies, we do um, music and all these kind of different types of ties around the sporting world. And, and then Saturday and Sunday, I'm either calling 
a Liga MX game or I'm calling an MLS game. So sometimes, usually it's about six days a week that I'm working. And I don't complain because I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it keeps me involved with MLS for sure. By the way, thanks for giving us a piece of you since the whole world wants you um, uh, over at ESPN. (laughs) You're a popular man. That's great. I think it's by default. It's by default. You know, I'm... They don't want me because I'm good. They want me because there's nobody else. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to ask you about uh, Auro Nunca, the show you host, because you have stepped outside your comfort zone a little bit here, though maybe that's not being totally charitable because your comfort zone, you've always been into other sports than than just soccer, and now you're interviewing quite a wide variety of guests. How has that been? And, and let us know some of who, who some of these guests have been. It's nerve wracking. And for those of you who have never done an interview, and I'm sure you know, Grant, at first, sometimes not every guest you get is as willing or as accommodating. And sometimes that could be very nerve wracking, especially if it's not in your wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. Um, to give you an example, uh, this week on Sunday, I leave for Miami. I'll, I'll be covering the Super Bowl all week. I wow. come from a soccer background. I'm a huge football fan, but never did I think I'd be covering a Super Bowl for a major <laughs> network. You know, uh, this this year I've gotten the opportunity to. It's, I mean, it's soccer, but Kylian Mbappe. You know, I interviewed him. I've interviewed Slatan. I've interviewed Mike Tyson. I've interviewed Dana White. You know, I've interviewed Alejandra Guzman. We had Akon on. Uh, you know the. The list goes Luis Guzman, who's on a lot of movies. And yeah. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, because we are ESPN and because I'm in Los Angeles, which is probably the greatest asset, these guests come in and I have the opportunity to interview them. And, and sometimes it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Other times it's very intimidating. <laughs> I, I interviewed Mike Tyson and I, I was frightened. I'm like, oh, man, this is Mike Tyson. Like, And there's a sense when you're in a room with a guy like Iron Mike that you're like, I seen this guy fight and, yeah. and sometimes he doesn't want to talk and sometimes he's just answering to answer. And you're like, all right, well, I'm, I got to ask him something, but I don't want to offend him. What do I ask? And, and every once in a while he cracks a, a smile or a joke and he relaxes and you're like, wow, I just interviewed Mike Tyson. You know, it's, it's definitely very nerve wracking, but once it's over, you're better for it. Like any experience. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you're you're getting that experience, and I feel like I should mention this at some point here, especially since you're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, we sometimes have some Twitter exchanges about the Raiders, your team, and the Chiefs, my team. <laughs> oh, here we go. And I I just want you to let the the listeners know which of those two teams is playing in the Super Bowl. It would be the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, you know. I don't hate the Kansas City Chiefs because, um, as you know, for a long time, both the Chiefs and the Raiders were irrelevant. True. Um, but what the Kansas City Chiefs have done, what Patrick Mahomes, well, I shouldn't say is going to, what he is, Andy Reid, you know, he's such a great coach. Like I, I'm, most, I'm most excited because it's of the division, and I'm going to argue that that division is going to be the best division in football um, come next year, you know. And I will argue there's – I'm still holding on to an outside chance that Tom Brady goes to the Raiders. Oh, wow. I just think for some reason it's a fit that could happen. I know everybody's talking about the Chargers. I know everybody's talking about L.A., but there's a brand-new stadium in Las Vegas coming along. It's going to be ridiculous. It's Vegas. Mark Davis, Tom Brady, Dana White, they're all friends. They were seen together at the last UFC event. A lot of money, young offensive team, good line. 
there could be worse things. I'm just saying it could happen. If that happens, this division is going to be fire. And and listen, with the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs will win. Uh, San Francisco's got a ridiculous defense. But what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do in the last two games, I think he's thrown nine touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he just seems to have a way of finding a way to win games. And not that I don't trust Jimmy G, but if San Francisco falls behind, I don't see Jimmy G pulling out like he did in New Orleans, for example. Gotcha. So how, you're a Vegas guy. I mean, you've lived a lot of years in Vegas um, growing up. Um, I did. Uh, you're a Raiders guy. Are you feeling good about this move? That that stadium looks a little like the Death Star to me. <laughs> I feel great about this move. And I know what people are saying. You just uprooted a franchise, the community. It's the Raiders. The Raiders have been uprooted I don't know how many times. So I don't know who can really stake claim to the Raiders. Uh, they're one of the most popular NFL teams uh, the fans are are ridiculous. Like I, I, if we could put it in footballing terms, if you've ever seen um, Green Street Hooligans, they're like the Millwall fans. Let's just be honest. It, it's it's a ridiculous uh, fan base. You never know what you're gonna get. They're all over. Um, if I could tell you from living in San Diego, when anytime they came over to San Diego, they were the home team. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how Vegas is for them and just NFL in general. I. I'm, it's crazy. I go to Vegas now that I'm back in the States a lot, and now that I'm back on the West Coast mm-hmm. to see my family, visit friends. And that's a sports town now. Huh. You know, the, you've, got, you've got the Knights, you've got the Aces, the Las Vegas Lights are there, the USL team. <laughs> uh, baseball, they want an NBA team. They're going to have an NFL team. They're talking about building a baseball stadium in Henderson. It's all of a sudden a sports town, and it just makes sense. Any sports you go to, they have NASCAR as well. It's going to be the best away game in the league. It's going to be the best draw. Everybody's going to want to go see their team play against the Vegas Raiders. Now, one thing, this is a nice segue into talking about MLS expansion. Vegas comes up from time to time as a a possibility for MLS expansion. There are going to be 26 teams in MLS this season, which is literally twice as many as as in 2007. Uh, In two years, there will be 30 MLS teams how does that change how you cover and follow and consume MLS? Well, it's one more team for me to uh, to cover, so it's a lot more work. Um, it, but it doesn't hit you until it happens. I don't know how you are, Grant, about covering teams. But, for example, I was at MLS Media Day, mm-hmm. and I saw the Nashville uniforms, and I saw Dax, and I saw mm-hmm. Inter-Miami and Pellegrini, the player, and I got to meet, the, you know, the media people, the head of the press at the, you know, the respective teams. And it still hasn't hit me that that's a new team. Yeah. It's almost like when LAFC came about, uh, you know, or Minnesota came about, you had to, or in Atlanta, you had to kind of experience it firsthand for it to hit you. It, it just feels like, I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten used to it. I'm desensitized to it. Um, but it still hasn't hit me that Nashville and inter Miami are, are going to be there. And listen, uh, as a footballer, I would say bring on more teams because that's more jobs for us footballers. Yeah. And I used to say it would get it would get diluted in some sense in footballing terms. But you no longer have this expansion draft. You no longer have to assemble a team with player, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 on that roster. All of a sudden, it's almost like you have a clean slate and you have an advantage because you don't have to build a team with or uh, unloaded contracts. You you can build a team from scratch and. You're going to be just as competitive as anybody else, if not even more. Look at Atlanta. You know they're they're a testament to what you can do with a clean slate. You mentioned the MLS Media Day uh, days last week, uh, and for listeners, basically they bring out like members, players, 
some coaches from every MLS team. And awesome it's, idea. It's awesome sort of an, an assembly line of, of interviews that you can get done. And I'm sure you did a ton of interviews out there, connected with different people around, from around the league. What are sort of the things, some of the things that really stood out for you that you learned for the first time last week? Um, I learned how accommodating the big-time players can be. Um, they understand it, they get it. And I'll, I'll use a quick example. Last year's MLS Media Day, the two nicest players, the two most accommodating players, and they're probably the most in demand, were Bastian Schweinsteiger and Slatan Ibrahimovic. Yep. They did whatever you asked them. They didn't give you attitude. They were very nice to you. They were talking. They, 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 they joked with you. Uh, they did their time, shook your hand, and went on their way. There were other players there who were throwing hissy fits and had temper, temper tantrums. And I'm sitting there like, dude, really? Come on. Nobody knows who you are. <laughs> like, relax. This isn't, this is maybe, maybe a necessary evil for you, part of the game, but you should be excited to do this. And, and it's no, I mean, it's no surprise who, who one of these players was. Uh, you know, I, last year's MLS Media Day uh, was in Century City, I believe, here in Los Angeles. And Dom Dwyer just, immediately i guess picked a fight with one of the reporters and he wanted nothing to do or answer any questions and that was kind of you know it set the tone for for the rest of the weekend so some players thought they could wait with a few things and it surprised me that the biggest players never do that and this Mm -hmm. go around was the same thing i mean alejandro pozuelo you know carlos vela uh sebastian blanco the most accommodating well thought out you know Mm -hmm. just individuals and and couldn't be nicer, and they probably had put these guys through the ringer. Giovanni Dos Santos, I'm sorry, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. Mm-hmm. You know, every MLS event, they're there. They are there, and they never complain. Now, people may say, well, they're getting paid millions. They shouldn't <laughs> complain. Well, that's maybe when you've got a gripe to say, I don't want to be doing this all the time. Right, right. No, it's, those are good points. I've noticed some similar stuff over the years. Uh, it's always a worthwhile trip out there, though, for me. Not a long trip for you to to have that opportunity. I mean, I guess I would just wind up by asking you, you're back in LA, which you can certainly argue is the 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 best biggest soccer city in America. Um, and you used to live in Bristol. How does it feel to be more connected now back in LA to sort of the soccer zeitgeist? Um, soccer wise, it's great because uh, I'm in the Mecca of where everybody comes to vacation, if I'm being honest. Everybody comes yeah. and spends time in Los Angeles. They're always coming through. So for guests and things like that, it's awesome. Um, but I like Connecticut. Uh, my daughter was born in, born in Farmington. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, Elsie, and I, we really made a home for ourselves in West Hartford. We had a nice little routine going. I miss the FC guys. You know, mm-hmm. I used to go out with those guys in West Hartford and have some drinks, you know, happy hour. I miss... Dan Thomas, Craig Burley, Stevie Nickel, you know, Mark Donaldson, all those guys, Alejandro Moreno, if you believe it or not, like those guys I miss. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a, this locker room feel, you know, that since I retired, it was hard to emulate. And now I'm in mm-hmm. Los Angeles and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but I'm closer to home. I am where everybody comes through for my job. It's, it's where I need to be, if I'm being honest. And um, at this moment for Major League Soccer's 25th season, uh, every team will come through Los Angeles. Its biggest players will be here. And as they are here, mm-hmm. you know, we will be covering. And for me, that's, that's that's awesome. You know, this is where I want to be. This is where I wanted to raise my daughter. 
uh, where I'm still trying to perfect being a family man. Um, you know, there are many things I want to continue to do outside of work in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It's just, it gives me a greater opportunity to do those things. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Hercules Gomez, thanks so much. Uh, thanks a lot, Grant. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Hercules Gomez as well as producer Harry Swartout and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.